Good morning. It's Tuesday, April 28th, 2015. This is Tech Talk Today, episode 164. And even though I only had, like, if you can believe it, two beers over the entirety of Linux Fest Northwest 2015, I swear I feel so hungover. But I guess that's kind of what happens after eight days of almost no sleep. You do kind of end up feeling a bit hungover. But never fear, because the news is here, and that has lifted my spirits. We have a lot to break down. So to help us do all of that, chew on the big stories, as it were. It's our mumble room of internet experts. Time appropriate greetings, L Mumble Room. Hello. Good Hello. greetings. Hello. <laughs> I like I like that uh, in in uh, the JB chat room. Uh, it's, it's it's a shame that I only had two beers. Like in some circles, it's like, oh god, you were drinking. That's not very responsible. You were working, and then like, but in our circles, like, dude, you only had two beers. What is wrong with you? <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, oh, all right. So let's talk about something else that's kind of awesome just in terms of sheer numbers. Uh, that's our friends over at Apple. You guys know them. You guys absolutely love them. Apple reports a record March quarter results of $13.6 billion profit on $58 billion. That's with a B in revenue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's actually that's, – hold on. I'll, let, me, uh, let me break this down into other numbers for you because it's just sort of unbelievable, isn't it? This is a, this is a second fiscal quarter uh, results. And uh, for the quarter, Apple made $58 billion. That's how much money Apple brought in. It's $58 billion. $58 billion. Now, from that $58 billion, they're actually profiting $13.6 billion. That's what they're going to put in, uh, in the bank. Now, if you think about that, that's after all things are paid for. But that's a huge amount. They, they took in $58 billion and walked away with $13 billion. That is a hell of an overhead. Uh, here's what they sold. 61.1 million iPhones, 12.6 million iPads. We'll come back to that in a second. And 4.5 million iPhones. Compare those two top numbers right there, the top and bottom. 61 million iPhones and 4 million max. Huge difference. Uh, so let's uh, talk a little bit about the most disappointing thing in uh, Apple's uh, re- reports. I mean, obviously... Anything like this is pretty damn successful. And uh, if you're looking at the video version right here, we have a chart breaking down, broken down on the overall sections of Apple's business that make up the bulk of its profit. The red section, that big section there, obviously is the iPhone. That gray section along the top, that frosting, that's the iPad. Uh, let's talk about that iPad. So here's the breakdown right here. Uh, you can see the, uh, in a pie chart that the, uh, the, the red there, the 69%, is the iPhone. 69% of Apple's profits come from the iPhone. Only 9% coming from the iPad. In fact, iPad sales are down overall. That's sort of the more disappointing things. Uh, falling 12.6 million from 16.35 million last year. iPad sales down quite a bit. Uh, Mac sales up overall. 4.56 million this quarter, 4.1 million Macs last quarter. That's pretty big numbers. Pretty unbelievable. Uh, Apple's returned over 112 billion to shareholders, including 80 billion in share buybacks now. So uh, keep this in mind when we play our end of show video, our end of show clip, uh, because it's it's going to be relevant. Uh, Ch- uh, Mumble room, any thoughts on Apple's unbelievable sales and the continued absolute domination of uh, the iPhone in terms of profits? I wonder where the store falls in there. Well, the stores are incredibly profitable. The stores make more money than jewelry stores per square foot. Uh, but you know what the secret is? Do you guys have any guess as to the, what the secret is? To uh, Apple's uh, source of profits, let's see if anybody. Let's see if anybody knows. It's chat room, mumble room. Does anybody tax know? Evasion. What was it? What was your guess? Tax evasion. Tax evasion? No, no, that's not where they made all of them billions. That's not where they made all of them billions. Come on, guys. Come on. Where did Apple make all of their billions from? 
lose. Uh, Tim Cook himself even admitted it in the earnings call. He said it accounted for a revenue increase of 71%. And they have revenue increase for Apple over this last quarter of 71%. Is it a growing economy in the United States? Is it the, the success of the iPhone 6 Plus? Is it buzz around the Apple Watch? All right, we'll find I out. Would, what, what was your guess? I would say it's China. All right, see if you are right, my friend. Let's see if you are right. Yes, that is correct. Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, says an expanding middle class in China is feeling iPhone sales as revenues have increased to 71%. So far, for the first time ever, China's iPhone sales and overall sales for Apple have beat their sales in the United States of America. China is now a bigger market for Apple than America. So that's what it's all about. So uh, while uh, we here in the U.S. are loving our smartphones, it's really the expanding middle class in China that's really greasing Apple's wheel. And that's where all them billions are coming from. So I kid you not, watch for all the other tech companies to take note of that. (laughs) You you have no doubt. They already are, but they're going to double down on that. Speaking of doubling down on things, boy, did people double down on the hate when Valve introduced paid mods on Steam. Now, I haven't been following this story too closely, so if anybody out in the audience has some good insights on this, like maybe you were involved in some of the threads and things like that, I'd love to hear from you. But what I gathered is uh, Valve introduced uh, paid mods on Steam, uh, like through the Skyrim workshop, which I guess Valve thought was a great way for people to maybe even make a full-time living making great mods for the games. And this is something I know Gabian is uh, community-created content they think is a huge deal. I think it's like the, the new frontier of gaming, uh, along with VR and all, all those other things that they think, Steam Machines and all that stuff. But they really think user-created content is huge. I'm sure they do. We've talked about it like a million times. So they thought, okay, let's make these people capable of supporting themselves by doing this by because for them it's value added it makes the steam it makes the steam store even better if you can get these games you know you can buy these games once and then continue to buy these mods and improvements for them and continue to play them and play them and play them and of course valve's taking a little cut of every sale uh but after a few days of launching paid mods on steam through skyworm workshop valve valve is removing the payment option citing customer feedback valve says it will fund steam users who purchased the skyrim mods uh, yeah, okay, well, we'll see what happened. But uh, I guess what uh, people started complaining, I don't know exactly what all of the feedback was, but Valve says they began chewing through this feedback. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, they think they missed the mark pretty badly, they say, uh, but they think they have a useful feature in there somewhere. I guess, uh, anybody in Mumble Room know exactly what the problem was with the, uh, with the paid mods? Because to me, the idea on the face of it seems kind of good, but I could totally see how something like this could fall apart, too. Uh, my brother was all worked up about this kind of situation. Um, he was more worried about the fact that they would charge the third, the third party mods, like Nexus mods, would be charged. Would, would they would be charging Nexus mods to be able to use the mods on Steam? Otherwise, they couldn't get the mods on Steam at all. Ah, uh, the cut was seventy percent. Yikes! Yeah, so Gabe went to Reddit himself. Uh, and said, let's assume for a second that we are stupidly greedy. So far, the paid mods have generated 10000 total. That's like 1% of the cost of, inc- of the incremental email the program has generated for Valve employees. <laughs> yes, I mean, pissing off the internet costs you millions of bucks just in a couple of days. That's not stupidly greedy. That's stupidly stupid. You need a more robust Valve is evil hypothesis. That is so great. That is, God, I love that as a CEO. Why are not all CEOs doing that? That is, that is, that's, that's, that's brilliant. That's, that's, that, that just cuts it right there. Uh, yikes. $10,000 total? If that's true, that's pathetic. 
for how many how much how much hate this has generated them. Interesting to see Reddit play such a strong role in this kind of stuff, and to see companies like Valve and Gabe specifically uh, respond to that. And I wonder if maybe that creates a bad expectation in the community because Gabe can't go to Reddit every time people get upset, and eventually he's going to stop going. And then what? Then people are going to really be pissed. I would think. I wonder if it creates a false expectation. Either way, though, uh, I'll watch it and try to learn more. But if you have any insights, I'd love them. I'd love to hear about it. Just go to the Tech Talk Today subreddit if you would. TechTalkToday.reddit.com, and uh, share your insights on this whole thing. Uh, all right, I'm I'm kind of sad to admit it. I'm going to miss the Nexus Seven. I think the second generation of Nexus Seven they started to finally get it right. And yeah, the Nexus Nine is pretty great, but. Uh, so far, it looks like Google has apparently given up on selling the 7-inch device directly to customers and student I'm sorry, instead they're choosing to focus directly on the Nexus 9. As it turns out, the Nexus 9 isn't really selling very well. Uh, neither uh, compared to the first Nexus 7 or the second Nexus 7. Google confirmed this in their earnings call. In fact, Google also said the Nexus 6 isn't selling as well as the Nexus 5 did, which wasn't even as successful as they wanted it to be. Uh, so they say that the uh, Nexus sales are overall disappointing and have led to an actual drop in Google's revenue quarter over quarter. So not having as great of a quarter as Apple did. Uh, so Nexus 7 isn't technically uh, out of sale yet, as you can still find it on Amazon, but they're not going to be making any more of them, it looks like. And yeah, reviews are a little mixed on Lollipop on the Nexus 7. What do you guys think? Is it too soon to kill off the Nexus 7, or is it time? Too soon. I, what about instead? Would you rather see like an update? Keep the seven line around, but keep it current, and keep the nine inch tablet around as well. I really, I bought the Nexus Seven uh, 2013 LTE. Uh, I really loved it, especially since I've been able to get a Ting SIM card put in it. I've got really great data anywhere I go in it, and I love the size. I love the form factor. Yeah, just update it. Um, I even think it would make a great device with their new Fi project. Yeah, I, you know, I was thinking. Uh, Blaster here put a uh, Chromecast in the studio over the uh, Linux Fest Northwest week, <laughs> and it was pretty nice. And then I thought, I could see this being sort of the main way I watch content, but if I think I was really going to be serious about it, I'd like to have a dedicated Nexus 7 in the living room for it. I know that sounds kind of expensive, but I just kind of look at that as like, like buying a Roku, only sort of the nice thing about the Nexus 7 is it has the, or I'm sorry, the, the Chromecast is it has that social aspect so other people can send stuff to it as well. Um, so well, and think about this for price for goes... The Nexus 7 that I purchased was the same price as the cheapest Apple Watch that you could possibly get. And you can do so much more with it. Right, right. Well, there you go. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll, maybe who, who knows? Maybe they'll have an updated one. They just haven't announced it yet. Uh, Blaster, I know as somebody who's uh, stuck in Seattle right now without transportation, this next story might appeal to you. Uber is bringing food del- delivery service. Now, it's only in New York and Chicago right now. But think about it. You take the Uber infrastructure and you work in food delivery, they're going to call it Uber Eats. Now, come on, guys. Uber Eats, this is so kind. This is all kinds of genius, and Uber's all about it, so they made us a video, of course. And got to tell, they'll tell us, I'm sure, about what an amazing service it's going to be with some great catchy tune and then a narration that'll begin shortly after I click this play button. Every single day, we do small things with great love. And, and to be able to share that through Uber Eats, it's even better.
The love I have for the food we serve is pretty big. I don't get tired eating here, so that says a lot right there. Emporium Thai is authentic Southern Thai cuisine. Cooking is always part of our family. We're the number one most yelped restaurant in the nation. We have over 10,000 reviews. We need to look at more avenues on how to expand our business. Uber Eats is like a game changer for us. Now people can get our food within 10 minutes. Uber Eats is just like Uber X. Instead of picking up uh, customers, we deliver their lunch or dinner. You just hit the button and then you pick on the menu item how many of each things you want, and within 10 minutes, it's at your office. When you're hungry, it, it's faster than a microwave. <laughs> it's kind of taking the best of the restaurant and putting it into one of the boxes. To see us grow with Uber Eats, that itself made me exciting because I feel like we're doing something right. Just an app that uh, makes life more delicious. Oh, nice! Good catchphrase. It's just an app that makes life more delicious. That's, you know what? I'm sold though. I mean, I know, I know, we're, I know we're, we've entered the phase where we're all supposed to hate Uber now, right? Is that, or are we not there yet? I can't remember. I know we were trying to get there, like, like uh, towards the end of last year, right? It was the hate Uber cycle of the news. Uh, but I'm up for this. I, I think uh, this, as somebody who is co- consistently eating Jimmy John's because I'm working all the time and I do not want to stop and I don't have any other delivery options, God, I'm ready for some Uber Eats. So this is like waiter on the way, powered by Uber. Yeah, yeah, there's other services like this that Uber is going to crush with this. I, I, Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, exactly. So Uber Eats, only in New York and Chicago right now. But man... We all wait for it to get everywhere else. Uh, Simfix92 wrote in with a great suggestion that something that we might want to try out. I think Noah and I were – I don't remember. I'm so tired that all the days have blurred together. I don't remember who I was – maybe I was talking about it with Alan for all I know. Or Q5 for all I know. They all joined us last week if you haven't checked out last week's episodes. It all blurs together. My head hurts so damn bad. But what I do remember is we talked a little bit about our, our use of stinking Google Docs to do collaborative real-time editing of show notes. Real, real-time. real Not like that own cloud slightly delayed. I mean, I love you, baby, own cloud. You know you just saved the episode today. Own cloud saved the episode today. But I don't like its collaborative editor. So uh, this comes in from uh, Simfix92, and he says, I am at work, so I'm going to keep it brief, but Adam Text Editor, which is pretty cool, uh, it uses syntax highlighting for Markdown as well as real-time Markdown Previewer built in. Although Adam is a little clunky in older hardware, it runs just fine on an SSD. Well, I actually haven't found it that bad, but he goes on to say, you can also install a new package. It's called Adam Pair, and it lets you do pair text editing via real-time sessions on your local machine. The only limitation is it only works on one file at a time, and I don't think you can have more than two people working on the same document. But he says, give it a try. You might be impressed. And so a real-time local text editor would be really cool. The other one that has been recommended, and it's one that I've actually used before with a client of mine, is called Gobi. It's G-O-B-Y, I think, Gobi Notes. Let me see. I'll try to find it for you. <clears throat> uh, I might be getting the spelling wrong, but I think it's G-O-B-Y. G-O-B-Y editor. Let me see if I can. Uh, yeah, it is. G-O-B-B-Y. G-O-B-B-Y. Gobi. G-O-B-B-Y. And this is also a real-time e- editor, which is really cool. So I'll put a link to this in the show notes as well. And uh, th- this requires a server, so that's one downside. But then uh, the upside is that uh, each person gets their own color, and you can go back and see all their revisions and stuff, and it's a native client. And I think they have it available for Windows. Yes, they do have it available for Windows as well. 
So uh, that's G-O-B-B-Y. A couple of bits of feedback that came in. Thanks, guys, for that. And uh, techtalktoday.reddit.com is where those feedback submissions came in. Anything you'd like to submit there, a story for the show, uh, an end-of-show video, a Kickstarter of the week, tell you what, I'd love to have it submitted there, techtalktoday.reddit.com. And, yeah, I was thinking the same thing, Nerve Guy, is I could spin up Gobi on a droplet. Exactly. Before I run, I want to thank uh, 481 of you. We had a few people pick up over at patreon.com slash today. Your support means a lot. Linux Fest Northwest was an unbelievably huge expense for us, and we ended up having to put some of it on credit cards. <laughs> so uh, your support over there will help us for a while as we sort of dig, dig ourselves out of that just in time for the next conference. And you know what? I'd do it all over again. We had an incredible time, and uh, we have the best team in the world. So it's great to actually all be in the same place because some amazing things happened. Um, things that will change the uh, production forever. And uh, also just uh, great times happen. And uh, you guys enabled all of that and helped make a better team for us to create content for you. Patreon.com slash today. Thank you for supporting the Jupiter Broadcasting Network. And uh, as I go through some of the feeds, if I see some goodies in there, I'll post it up there for the Patreon exclusive. Patreon.com slash today to support the Jupiter Broadcasting Network. Now, uh, I have kind of a longish end of show clip, so it's a little obnoxious on, on, in that regard. But... Um, I find this particularly fascinating. So we just talked about the billions. Apple just made enough uh, – I mean they just made enough billions. They made more billions in one quarter than pretty much all companies make in an entire year, right? So that's kind of remarkable to look back at this clip uh, from the uh, 90s where uh, Steve Jobs wasn't Steve Jobs in a turtleneck and jeans. Johnny Ive wasn't in a white room. And Phil Schiller, well, he actually looked like – he was probably in a little better shape. Uh, and it was the introduction of the iMac. And the reason why this is interesting is there's like three things. First, the presentation style, how much Apple has refined and changed it. They're such a different company back then, back before they had all their billions and their iPhones and their iPods. It's the first introduction of an iProduct. And so Apple sets up the marketing for that. And boy, they had no idea how far that was going to take them. And then the justification of the specs. If you're a geek, the specs they list off on this machine, um, well, they're very quaint. Uh, and then it ends with the one of the biggest lies in Apple history. It's just a little white lie, but it turns out to be such crap. So I'll leave you with that. It's a little long, but from all of those angles, it's kind of a fascinating video to watch. We'll see you right back here tomorrow, Wednesday, 9 a.m., noon Eastern, jblive.tv, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get that converted to your local time zone. Thanks for joining me. See you back here tomorrow, everybody. Today, I'm incredibly pleased to introduce iMac, our consumer product. And iMac comes from the marriage of the excitement of the Internet with the simplicity of Macintosh. Even though this is a full-blooded Macintosh, we are targeting this for the number one use that consumers tell us they want a computer for, which is to get on the Internet simply and fast. And that's what this product is targeted for. I also mean some other things to us. We are a personal computer company, and all this product is born to network. It also is a beautiful standalone product. We're targeting it also for education. They want to buy these, and it's perfect for most of the things they do in instruction. It's perfect for finding tremendous source of information over the Internet, and we hope, as you see the product, it will inspire us all to make even better products in the future. So we think iMac's going to be a really big deal. Now, what should it be? Well, we went out and we looked at all of the consumer products out there. This is a picture of one of the better ones. And we noticed some things about them pretty much universally. <clears throat> the first is they're really slow. 
They're very slow. They're all using last year's processor. Very, very slow. Second is, they've all got pretty crummy displays on them. They're generally 13-inch, a few 14-inch, and the quality of them is very poor. Uh, Apple designs all its own displays, so we're used to something much better, but these are pretty bad. Likely no networking on them. Some have it, most don't. Old generation I.O. devices. And what that means is they're lower performance and they're harder to use and most of them aren't, so plug and play. And these things are ugly. <laughs> so, let me tell you about iMac. We decided to make this thing fast. So we decided to put in a G3 processor running at 233 megahertz. We debated this quite a bit because there were cheaper, slower things we could have used. And we said, no, this has got to be the computer that we want on our desk too. A G3 running at 233, and we didn't forget the cache. It's got a half a megabyte L2 backside cache, and this thing screams, as you'll see in a minute. On displays, we said, what is the largest display that you'd ever want in one of these cons in a consumer computer? And the answer to us was a 15-inch display running at 1024 by 768. Let's go ahead and build in the best in every product. And let's have our display engineers engineer it, and it's gorgeous. It is an Apple-quality display that we are very proud of. Let's go ahead and put a lot of memory in this thing. 32 megabytes standard. It's expandable to 128. 4 gigabyte disk drive, 24x CD-ROM. And let's build in a lot of communications. This thing's got 100 megabit Ethernet as standard. Now, why? Because a lot of our education customers want to put these high-speed networks in, and because we're seeing it in homes. Approximately 10% of the homes in Silicon Valley now have Class 5 wiring in them. We're starting to see lots of home networks emerging. A fast modem and also 4 megabit infrared built in. You want to beam your digital photographs in from your digital camera built into every product. We are going to the new generation of I.O., 12 megabit universal serial bus, two ports. We're leaving the old Apple I.O. behind. Stereo surround sound built into every product and a great, great keyboard and mouse. Now, <clears throat> this is what they look like today. And I would uh, like to take the privilege of showing you what they're going to look like from today on. This is iMac. and do that again. Go back and come back. Thank you.
So if I can get this screen switched over, we've got a wireless camera here, and I'd like to show you what this thing looks like. Come on in. You've got to see this thing in person, but I'll do the best I can with video. This is iMac. The whole thing is translucent. You can see into it. It's so cool. We've got <laughs> stereo speakers on the front. We've got infrared right up here. We've got the CD-ROM drive right in the middle. We've got dual stereo headphone jacks. We've got the coolest mouse on the planet right here. <clears throat> Come on around. All of the connectors are inside one beautiful little door here, the Ethernet, the USB stuff. Around the back, we've got a really great handle here. The back of this thing looks better than the front of the other guys, by the way. And then around the side. So let's take one more, one more swing around it so you can see. This is what it looks like. And again, you've got to see one of these things in person. Great. Yeah, I've got some slides of what this looks like, too. I mean, this is incredible compared to anything else out there. It looks like it's from another planet, and a good planet. <laughs> a planet with better designers. Look at this keyboard. It's so nice. Two universal serial bus connectors on either side, so you can plug the mouse into whichever one you want, whether you're right or left-handed, and you have the other one for peripherals. Look at this mouse. It's the most, it's the, it's the most wonderful mouse you've ever used.